Thank you. I uh, noticing you guys being youth leaders, you're just suffering for Jesus in here in this air conditioning. <laughs> it's a lounge called the Youth Leaders Oasis. You know, it's real, it's real servant-hearted of you guys to be in here. <laughs> just, just what? <laughs> Hi. I'm, I don't have anything else to say. You have so we have, uh, I think we're doing some questions, and then yep. they answer them. They answer them. So, um, <laughs> perfect. How many of you voted for um, <laughs> Ronald Reagan? <laughs> I missed that one. You voted for Ronald Reagan? There you go. Nice work. All right, there's a couple. Nice right. work. Thank you. Hey, Thank nice you. work. Right. That's Great. awesome. All right. All Congratulations. Right. Well, that's all we got today, so we'll see you next time. <laughs> No, we're still going. Yeah. All That's right. all I have. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves and tell us how you got started in music. I'm Josiah. I play guitar for Disciple. Uh, I got started playing drums, actually, and then switched to guitar when I realized uh, drums were too hard. And um, <laughs> I was in a pop punk band called Philmont for a long time, and I've been in Disciple for five years, and the rest is future history. <laughs> I uh, am Kevin. I'm a singer for Disciple. I played my first show in Disciple when I was 14. Uh, so like six years ago? Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> Actually, you flip those numbers around and add one, and that's where I'm at. But, uh, yeah, so I've been in Disciple for a few the minutes. Scratcher. I know. Think about it. Youth, they're youth leaders. They can figure it out. My name's Joey. Uh, I play drums for Disciple. Uh, I'm 29 years old. Was that what we were supposed to say? Nope. How Go old? ahead. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Um, he likes long, uh, walks. long walks on the beach. On I was gonna say uh, through the city. Oh, through the city. Yeah, uh, I like long the walks. city more than the sand. No, he likes long walks off short piers. I like. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, I started playing drums when I was uh, seven years old, so going on 23 years of playing drums, and I've been professionally playing since I was 19, so 10 years touring, and I was in a band called After Edmund before Disciple, a little indie pop rock band. Yes. All right, so what is it like being out on the road, touring? How do you balance your life, your walk with God, and all that stuff while you're out there putting on shows? Uh, well, technology's made it a lot easier. I can tell you that. Back in the day, you know, when there was pay phones and no cell phones, uh, that was way different and a lot tougher. But technology, I mean, I FaceTime with my kids, you know, every day and talk to my wife. My wife and I have been married for 12 years, been together for 14 years, and we had a scare last night because we've spoken to each other every day uh, through our entire relationship, whether we were in Australia, New Zealand, or Indonesia, or, you know, um, Germany, Europe, wherever. We've spoken to each other every day for 14 years, and it was 11.56 p.m. last night, and I was calling her, and she wasn't answering. I mean, this is a big deal, right? You know, and I was like, I was freaking out a little bit. And she called me at 11.57, and she said, yeah, I called you four times earlier today, and you didn't pick up, so I was going to make you sweat it out. <laughs> and sweat it out, you did. <laughs> so there you go. 2018 is easier to, to, to maintain the, the balance, but uh, we uh, there's three guys that's married, and uh, it takes a very understanding um, wife to – to be, you know, a part of what we're doing. Uh, my wife, you know, works a job. We have three kids. And if she was not as strong and as committed uh, to what she's doing, there's no way that I would be here. And so she's definitely like the the uh, unseen hero of Disciple because all the work that she puts in to our home life is is why I could be here doing what I'm doing. And, um, you know, I, 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 I don't know really how to uh, appropriately – encourage people to uh to thank her for that but uh you know she definitely deserves uh, a huge amount of credit for what she does and as far as you know talked about just balancing faith in god and stuff um it's what he always says it's, it's no different than you know being at home you still have to make time for you know spending time with god and <coughs> spending time in prayer and spending time in the word and we have a great situation because we all are just very close and have a lot of trust in our camp um, and uh, just accountability and uh, the friendship that we have is um, one of the greatest blessings, I think. Um, so that half the year when we're on the road, uh, you know, 
you're not feeling isolated or like you're going through anything alone. Um, and so our community is, is pretty awesome uh, that we have on the bus um, as well as at home. So that is the answer. <laughs> good job. Good job. All right. Any favorite moments from from your music career so far? Uh, in about four hours from now. Should be, should be, be the up new there. favorite. Yep. Should be way up there, top five. Um, I'm so low maintenance and then set the bar way low, so this answer is just going to be like crazy. I I had I had five things I asked God for, uh, when um, I when I was a young person, and I asked. It's actually seven things now that I think about it. Okay. <laughs> Three things were to open up for a set of bands, and then the other the other two are different. I asked, and you should have asked for more wishes. I should have asked for more <laughs> wishes. I don't know why that's not in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> um, but I asked, I asked God. I was like, okay, with disciple, I want to open up for these certain bands. So anybody, you know, under thirty, forget it. You're not gonna know who I'm talking about. But you know, I, d I wanted to open up for Petra. <laughs> I want, I wanted to open up for Striper. I wanted to open up for Guardian. Yeah. I wanted to open up for Bride. I started strong. Yeah. Yeah, you should have that. I started strong, and White Cross was my ultimate heroes. Uh, and so all those things happened relatively quickly in my life. And so I w that happened. And the other thing was I wanted to get married and, and have kids. That happened. Uh, that took a while. Uh, but I also want to, uh, the third one was I want a Corvette, and I've never got that one yet. So I'm still waiting on that one. That's probably going to be my heavenly gift, I would say. Um, there's no Corvettes in heaven, just Ford Mustangs. Yeah, 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 right. Like this is heaven, Jesus. Okay. Mustangs. Anyway, so I probably set the bar too low. I probably need to, uh, I mean, you know, opening up for somebody's probably setting the bar too low. You kind of like he he headlining is probably head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, winter Jam. We did Winter Jam a couple years ago. That was yep. awesome. Um, my my first band was so undeserving of this, but our my first overseas trip, we went to Holland and opened for Michael W. Smith uh, and Jeremy Camp actually, who's here tonight. And hey. he, Michael W. Smith was one of my favorite, you know, artists growing up. So that was big for me. Um, yeah. What was the question? Uh, <laughs> this will totally sound like I'm uh, sucking up here, but honestly, like the coolest day of my music career so far was the day that Kevin called me and asked me if I was interested in playing for Disciple. I thought it was a joke. Um, I got my first Disciple CD when I was in seventh grade and was a massive fan all the way through. And my band that I was with beforehand, and this is how we got linked up, we got an opening slot on like a short like two week run with Disciple. And so at that point I didn't even know I was gonna be playing drums for Disciple. I was just stoked to open for them. And uh and then it turned into this, which is it's still kind of like surreal to me. Especially if you would have told my seventh grade <laughs> self that I was gonna be doing this, I would have been like, Shut up. Maybe, Don't we, get my maybe, we, maybe we can use AIM to send seventh grade you oh a, yeah, dude. a message. He, he's still sitting on there dr drumming for Jesus or whatever my stupid AIM <laughs> screen name was. <laughs> <laughs> they shut that down this year, didn't they? Yeah. There was a big Toys uh, R Us went out of business, too. Yep. All of our childhoods are being ruined. God, my childhood. Um, <laughs> it's because they would never grow up. That's true. This is Andrew. Uh, he's our tech and... Um, Oh, technically is what I mean. He's our technically our guitar player. Uh. <laughs> yeah, sorry I'm late, everybody. Had to run some uh, t-shirts up the hill. And it's hot. Andrew does our merch as well. Favorite musical moment? I always think of Winter Jam. One of them might have said that. Um, but we did uh, nine or ten dates on the West Coast Winter Jam a few years ago, and it was really cool to have that, you know, literal arena to, like, look out and see and uh, that tour is really cool they do a lot of good work and everyone on that tour is as far as I could tell is super genuine and it was very like ministry oriented and it was really cool to be a part of something that big and also feel like it was all about 
like the Holy Spirit and stuff. So I, I dug that. All right. Well, I know we got a lot of fans out here. So let's open it up for some questions from you guys. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. What branch? He is in Air Force. Air Force. Fans, right? Are you tell us when? Are you ready now? Is it rolling? It's is rolling. The video, is the video recording right now? So are we live on the video right now? Okay. Oh. We're on the video talking to Sam right now. Sam. Sam! Hey, we're disciple buddy. Thanks for liking our music. And thanks for Wish serving our country. Yeah, God you. bless you, man. All right. Get back. Probably DRX. 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 Yeah. We'll, we'll never not play that song. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So the story behind Dear X is kind of like we had, I had an idea. Sometimes when we write songs, you know, the music comes first, and then other times the idea comes first. And the idea of Dear X was like, um, like actually a friend of mine, when they heard it on the radio, uh, their kid walked up to him. My wife's name is Julie. They were like, did Kevin and Julie break up? Because it was like the song was called Dear X. <laughs> Has nothing to do with that. <laughs> Has nothing to do with that. Uh, anyway, no, but I had this idea of, you know, the Bible says that sin, we have a relationship with sin, that sin is our master, and that Jesus Christ sets us free from that master, and that we, we have freedom through Jesus Christ, okay? And when, when Cain murdered Abel. Isn't it interesting that God kept talking to Cain after he murdered somebody? If God keeps talking to somebody after that, that gives us all hope, right? So God's still talking to Cain even after he murders Abel, and he says the words to Cain. He said, sin is out to master you, is out to get you, but you must master it. Sin is lying at the door, like waiting at the door, and I, that image is stuck with me like our old relationship with sin, whatever it may be, whether it be drugs or depression, or anger, or shame, whatever it may be, it's like a psycho ex-girlfriend or a psycho ex-boyfriend that you've cut it off, right? I don't know if anybody's been. I've had psycho ex-girlfriends, and I have been a psycho ex-boyfriend. So I, kn I, know <laughs> I know both sides of that story. So, uh, you know, that's, that's how sin is. Sin is kind of like waiting at the door and saying, you know, hey, this whole Jesus thing, y'all look cute together, and that's great and all that, but if it doesn't work out, I'm still going to be here, and I'm just going to be right here at the door waiting on you, you know, and, and so Dear X is kind of like saying to our old relationship, our psycho ex-girlfriend Sin, saying, I know that you're always going to be there waiting on me, but, you know, what we had was a lie, and uh, you used to own me. I used to be your slave, but you don't own me anymore. So, so that was one of those cool ideas that, that we had before, and I think it's definitely a song that we will always play. Why is your brain pink? <laughs> is that what you said? Because I said that yesterday, pink. I did say that. I actually was going to say something about it actually being gray. but Is it gray? Uh, well, I haven't seen yours in particular, but I, I think it is gray. Is it gray? I it think was, it was pink in all the uh, elementary school illustrations. I so think maybe when it's exposed of. to the air, it becomes pink. It's not like a gender reveal thing. Mm. <laughs> no. No. So I have I have a girl brain. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that just means I'm smarter. Crowd pleaser. That was good. Good job. That was good. Good job. Was there anything else you're looking for with that, or was that? Good? She's just trying to show you how smart she is. I it's see. gray. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you. Okay. Who's next? Thank you. Over there in the middle. Not soon. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're working on a disciple album right now. 
brand new Disciple album. We're laser focused on the Disciple album. As soon as we get done recording it, we're going to immediately start working on our worship album. And it won't be called Disciple. It'll be my name, but it'll still be it'll still be the Disciple guys. We just didn't want to call it Disciple because we didn't want to get the fans give the fans the impression that we were going that direction. A lot of our friends who have come out with worship albums, they never seem to come back to the rock side, and and we didn't really want to give our fans the impression that we would do that with Disciple. So we were going to call it something different. Uh, but as soon as the new Disciple record is over, we will start working on a worship album, and we've already worked out. A relationship with a record label to to have that come out and so uh yeah right so now we're just kind of getting our feet wet just playing some shows and so uh, yeah, just kind of yesterday know, was our first trying. full band yeah performance so with, our the, with the worship we're wet yesterday yes That's true muddy actually yeah. yes yes <laughs> thank you i appreciate Thanks. it we had a good yeah. time anyone else awesome mm. Mm. Um, Maybe your tattoos, Joe. Yeah, for me, it's probably the whole, like, it's so cliche, but it's David and Goliath. Um, but the way that I look at that story is whenever I read the Bible, I like to place myself in the story and where Jesus falls in that story as well. And so when I think of David and Goliath, um, I think of the story being basically like I where I fall in that story. I'm the scared Philistine, it's like, hanging out or... Yeah, whatever he was a part of. I'm not really, I didn't go to seminary. (laughs) I just played drums, give me a break. (laughs) Um, So I'm the scared dudes on the hill not wanting to fight Goliath, and I put Jesus in the story. He's totally David. Goliath represents sin and death. And so one of the coolest things I noticed about that story is that uh, one of the first communications that they had verbally in that story as David was running at Goliath, Goliath said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And so if you think about it in terms of Jesus uh, and Satan, Satan saying, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And then you take two sticks and put them in the form of a cross that Jesus came at sin and death with, um, that totally made that story be like, a whole new thing, and that's why I started tattooing my entire arm of David's story, uh, because I fall very much into the same category as David. I am uh, a a musician. Yeah, I'm a king. (laughs) Back in in, uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, (laughs) I rule all those people. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm king of the, (laughs) yeah, this is Sparta. Um, so David was a musician. David was a man after God's own heart, but David was also a pretty bad dude. He did some pretty terrible stuff, and he was human. And at the end of the day, the Lord still loved him, still used him for great things. And that's how I see myself because I am, at the core of my being, I'm a human. At the end of the day, a stage does not make me special. A stage does not make me uh, suddenly have my life together. Uh, but the Lord still somehow pours his grace out on me and still uses me in a way uh, to help other people. Um, so that's that's kind of where the David and Goliath thing goes for me in my head. What's your little brother's name? Drew. Hi, Drew. Um, and hi, you too, Drew. Um, my favorite Bible story is uh, the little kid uh, with the fish and the loaves of bread and how he just brought what little he had. Uh, to Jesus, and Jesus took it and did a miracles with it and multiplied it. And I, that's that's my life story. Is like I know that I'm not uh, the best singer and w- never will be, and and I'm okay with that. But I have literally taken what little I have and I've given it to Jesus, and He's multiplied it. And uh, I think that's kind of all of our stories. Whenever we uh, God gives us talents and abilities, and uh, we just take instead of like trying to become this awesome thing that will be forgotten. You know, like I was saying yesterday, you know, if we could speak to the mountains and move, but we have love, it's nothing. But if we do this itty-bitty little thing with love, this insignificant thing almost to other people, like moving a mountain, that would be amazing. You know, people would, like, never forget who you were. But this thing that nobody else knew about, and you do it with love, and you give it to Jesus, Jesus does it and does miracles with it. And uh, I think I think the, the truth is is that when we give our – with our – a little – we can't really move the mountain, but he can. So we take our little thing 
and he does it and he moves the mountain with with our little thing that we give him so that's my favorite one yes i actually i actually don't have a good answer for this one i'm sorry yeah i've been sitting here trying to think of one um sinners uh <laughs> yeah uh i think that the uh kind of amazing thing um that's not a story in the bible but the story of the bible the guys that uh kept this information from living a life with jesus while he was on earth and then writing the stories of what happened you know writing a book was a much different thing back then so the history of the bible is really cool to me so i probably identify with that the most because I'm kind of more of an observer personality. History buff as well. Uh, yeah, very big buff. Ti- big time history I just want to clarify that the Bible is on my list of books to read, so I hope to get to <laughs> around to it soon. <laughs> is it in your cart in Amazon? It's, it's on my Kindle. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't actually. No. Is it, in your <laughs> is it on your wish list in Amazon My, my wish list, yeah. My wish list. <laughs> We've got like 80 in our trailer right now. I yeah, know. we do. Oh Who's next? Man. Anyone? Sure. Uh, it might be the same answer, actually. <laughs> my biggest pet peeve is grammar when people can't uh, differentiate between there and there with the apostrophe R E. I'm like, oh, it drives me up the wall. And now all these guys are going to intentionally write me notes. From the it's, moment you said it, I was just sitting here <laughs> like. I knew it. As soon as I said dude, it, I was like, crap. My bunk is going to be full of next, notes. The next three weeks of texts are yep. going to be amazing. There you why, are. Why do I do this to myself? There you go. Every time. Uh, my biggest pet peeve is when somebody ruins anything about a movie for me, like tells me anything about a movie that before I know it, I was on a blind date with a girl, and uh, we were we went to a drive-in movie. Is that what you call a drive-in? Not a drive-through. Drive-in movie. <laughs> and uh, she literally told me, and I won't say what movie it is because I'm not like her, but I said, oh, the first movie was X-Men, and the second movie was something else. And, and I said, oh, I don't know anything about this something else. And uh, she said, yeah, I don't know anything either, except that they all die at the end. <laughs> She's the only girl that ever, like, leaned in to kiss me that I was like, mm, yeah. d night. Yeah. Mm-mm. Get away from me, spoiler. Um, I, I guess one of mine is, like, uh, I have a very low tolerance for... Uh, <laughs> Inefficient food service. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Josiah is, I'm will calling send, myself out. Josiah will send food back quicker. Like when we're out to eat, I'm like, we're definitely getting spit in our food <laughs> for sure. I, I, I was a manager at Chick-fil-A for many years, and uh, and I just like have this – I'm super patient, I think, and tolerant in most other areas of life. But whenever we're eating somewhere, I get so frustrated uh, with anything that's like – Hangry. Not yeah, up to par. I don't know. My biggest pet peeve is all the people that drive around Nashville and don't know how to use their turn signal. <laughs> it's like it's like that invention hasn't made it yet it to the auto industry that's supplying cars to this part of the world. I don't know. So hopefully you guys don't have that problem up here. Uh, you can pray for us, uh, like our families, obviously, number one that um, we're, we're writing songs right now, so you could pray for us that, that what we're writing about will actually be good music, but more importantly, that it'll uh, touch people emotionally and spiritually. You know, I, I feel like the songs that I connect with the, the most are the ones that make me feel something as I'm listening to them, and just pray that God, you know, will give us those types of songs.
Just make sure they go to college instead. That's the first thing you yeah. can do. <laughs> tell, tell them to If they're make in good it for grades. money, tell them to run. Yeah. <laughs> now, man. Uh, Just, I, I mean, the pra- practically speaking, I think anyone in a young person situation who's trying to do that uh, needs to practice a ton uh, yeah. on your own and together. Um, one of the one of the great benefits of actually growing up in church and being in Christian music is like getting to be on a worship team. Uh, which is a super low which pressure. We all still do. We yeah, we all we all still we do all with our doing that, and uh, it's like a super low pressure way to <laughs> <laughs> group text. We're on the group text. Um, they are coming. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a great way to get uh, accustomed to all the nuance of like playing with people and understanding that you're not supposed to solo the whole time, and that you know you're supposed to serve the song and how a band works together, which are things that if you're not growing up in church, you're just starting a band you know, in your garage, that's like a, a big learning curve that you can get out of the way by playing in a worship team. They already had a huge advantage playing in church. Yes, absolutely. So together. practicing a ton, a, a lot of young bands, myself included, when we were starting out, like I, we would think, oh, we were good enough at practice. Like we, we, we did it enough. No, like we didn't. <laughs> like we were terrible. And uh, we practiced a ton, but you just need to keep going. Like it's all about the hours. Um, yeah. So Every great musician I know is a musician who, c- like, couldn't go a, a day or two or three without playing their instrument. Those are the great ones, the ones that are just like, you know, they can't put it down. It's, you know, it, it, it's like, hey, y- y'all want to move, watch a movie? It's like, nah, I haven't played guitar in a couple of days. I need to go sit down and go play guitar. Those types of people are always the best musicians. And so, <laughs> right. Some of the best Keep advice that. that I got, um, there was a guy that came came to my church that played music uh, for Hillsong, and <coughs> I was 20 years old, and at that point, I was only playing in church, and I was, I've always wanted to tour, always wanted to make it to the next level, and I'm always living in the future instead of just, like, enjoying where I'm at now, and this guy came up to me afterwards, and he was just like, I felt like I needed to say this to you. He's like be faithful where you're at now because what you're doing now even if in your mind it seems small it's not insignificant it's very significant where you're at and the cool thing about God is he's always looking for people who are faithful in the small things so he can see that he could trust you here so he can advance your platform to here and literally ever since that guy told me that I just got in that mindset where I was like okay what I'm doing matters and then I moved up to playing shows for five people and it was like, I want to play for 500, but I guess I'm playing for five tonight, and this means something. And then, you know, I did that for a long time, played a lot of free shows to only family and friends. And then somehow the platform got bigger, and it just got bigger, and it just kept going. And so where I'm at now, it's like every time I step on stage or I get behind the kid, I'm like, this matters right here. And who cares if I make it to the next level? Where I'm at right now is very significant. And so I would just encourage them, don't get ahead of themselves. Enjoy where you're at right now. Enjoy the process because life is freaking short, you know. So enjoy where you're at and just keep moving up. Keep working hard. Let me, let me encourage you, youth pastors, real quick because I don't know how much time we ha- have. And then we'll take more questions if we have time. But I want to encourage you guys with, with uh, what a youth pastor did for me. And, okay, if it things that you do that may seem insignificant that are literally life-changing moments for kids. A youth pastor, it was obviously right after all the animals walked off the ark, so it was a long time ago, but a youth pastor gave me a white cross tape back in like 1987, 1988, and my mom was very mad at him for that because if anyone grew up in the 80s, the word satanic was a really popular word that we like to use as Christians. You don't really hear it very often anymore, but satanic was a really big word. Everything was satanic, you know, and um, she was like wolves in sheep's clothing. She was mad. She was literally hacked off at this youth pastor about giving me this uh, white cross tape. And it, white cross, if you listen to it now, it would seem tame. But in 1987, 1988, it was metal and it was hard and it was very extreme okay and um i was like geeking out over this stuff and of course as a kid it was just it was just music that i liked but these guys were really 
straightforward about Jesus. They were not hiding it. They were really, there was this gospel message in their songs. And of course, I just was like liking the music, but I started just listening to it over and over again. And the words and the message really started ministering to me and, and preaching to me and changing my life. And I went and watched these guys perform in 1990, and they gave an altar call, and all these kids came forward and gave their lives to Christ. And then after that, I went to a Petra concert, and my mom went with me, and, and we were there at a Petra concert, and, and we watched them give an altar call, and like about 600 people gave their life to Christ. And she leaned over to me, and she said, I get it. And also, I was getting it. Those men were teaching me about evangelism and how music could be more than just music and it could be used as a tool to evangelize and when we started disciple we never really looked at it as anything more than that now fact rewind go back to the beginning it was just because a youth pastor who i wasn't even old enough to be in his youth group i wasn't 13 i was 11 or 12 years old and he gave me a tape that's all he did he just hung out with me and he's like do you like you like rock music i was like yeah a little bit you know bon jovi's cool night ranger's cool whatever i'm a little kid i don't know and uh, he, he hands me this, he gives me this, and it changed my life. It literally set my path, you know, on this course. You guys, when y'all take the time to just be nice and be kind to somebody and love somebody, like I was talking about with the little kid and the, the fish, it wasn't that big of a deal what he did, and it probably seemed insignificant to me. And God used that moment to literally change the course of my life. Um, and so you have those moments all the time that you probably don't think of. You probably don't know that it's happening, uh, but it is happening. And, you know, like Joey was just saying a minute ago, we as Christians, we cannot allow ourselves to look at our lives the way the world looks at success. The world looks at success by numbers. They say success is making millions of dollars. They say success is playing a 20,000-seat arena. They say the success is having a platinum album. They say success is this thing or that thing or winning an award show. That's what the world says. Now, we are tempted to think that that is success, that if we are in a big church, that that equals success, or if we have a lot of numbers in our youth group, that that equals success. That is actually the way the world sees success. But success lies in those moments of when you love and you take the time to just speak into somebody's life, and it changes their life forever. That is success. That's what we're here to do. We're here to love. You know, that Jesus washing his disciples' feet, showing that as a leader, that he's going to take the time to serve them and love them, that he was not above them. I know nobody here wants to wash each other's feet. We don't want to. But when we do something that is the metaphorical equivalent of that, to people that we serve, when we serve them in a way and we take time to love them, I'm telling you, that is success. That is what success looks like. Not how many hundreds of kids you have in your youth group or tens of kids or 30s or thir whatever. That is not success. It is when you take the time to serve them and love them and you change their life forever. So I want to encourage you with that because I am here because a youth pastor took the time to love me and encourage me. So you youth leaders, you're making difference you're making a huge difference in, in kids' lives, and I want to encourage you to continue to do that. Don't look at your ministry and your job the way that the world looks at it. Don't buy into that crap because it's not real and it's not true. Take the time for the little moments to serve and to love. Okay, sorry. I'll take more questions. <laughs> right. Never. We release records, and those records still aren't done. <laughs> like, it's literally said, like, a record is just released. It's never done because you release it, and then you're like, dang, I should have played that drum part. You and then know, we like, do. When and we, we play we it live, live. And then we do. You know? We always so. are changing it. Yeah, it's a snapshot of what you're doing at the time. Records have kind of become uh, bigger than a band performing like they started out, right? Where you're just capturing a live performance. So it gets really challenging to know when to put the brakes on because you get this like sense of, I can do everything with software and all this time we have and you know all the ideas I have. But yeah, just take the best picture you can of what you're doing at the time 
and get it done, get it out, and then get ready for the next one. And that'll yeah. make you better than trying to perfect one. Right. I was going to say, at a certain point, it's better to just, yeah, say it's done and and, key, and move on. Like, because un- un- uh, you know, my old band was really bad at, we were very inefficient with writing songs because. I thought you guys um, were pretty good. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, uh, we didn't. Over the course of our career, we released every song we wrote. Like, we didn't have a bunch of songs, like, on the shelf that we, which is what you should have. Disciple writes, like, 30-plus songs for every album cycle. And, uh, you know, pick the best from that. Like, always be creating. Don't get hung up on on something for too long. Like, and that takes an instinct that you develop over time. And luckily, with the four of us all contributing to songs and kind of giving input and speaking into each other's songs, like that becomes easier to tell like oh okay everyone feels good about this one yeah i guess we can you know call it a day <laughs> and don't be s- scared to perform it either see how right, it goes yeah. see how right. it feels like because like as musicians you're gonna know if it feels right or not you know because uh, there's stuff that we've done we've gotten on stage and we've played something and then we'll come back to the bus and be like that didn't go well that, that didn't go well let's try flipping this and so the next night we'll try it and then and then we may come back and be like that felt a whole lot better yeah. or it's like oh that still sucked like let's uh, keep yeah. working with this you know and there's songs that there uh, there's a song called attack by disciple and it's one of my favorite disciple songs i i enjoy it immensely and every time we've ever played it live it was it just fell flat and it never connected with the audience and we were just like this is a song that's just meant to be on the album. We're never going to play this live because every time we played it, it just didn't it didn't feel like there was any energy or connection. And you 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 figure that out. You know, there's some songs that are just that are just meant to be listened to, and there's some songs that are meant to be performed. You know. Anyone else? Keep going. I, one last thing. You know, sometimes when you're a young person, God gives you a song, and you're like, "This is the way that He gave it to me at 2 a.m., and this is how He wants it." <laughs> you know, and you think that, right? But just because he gave you something good doesn't mean it can't be better. And working with producers taught me that. They were like, well, what if you said this word differently here? And, I'm, and I'd be like, but God gave this to me at 2 a.m. And this is what he wanted me to say. And he was like, but what if this is better? You know, like, you know, <laughs> what if you just say this instead? And you have to be open-minded to let, your, let something good become great, you know, and, uh, and let it change. And sometimes that's what we do. A lot of times this is a thing that happens very, very often. We'll have a piece of music that we think is great. And we'll write lyrics over top of it in a melody, and it'll be good. And I'll say to him, I'll say this all the time. I'll say, the lyrics aren't matching the greatness of the music. We just need to throw out everything that we got and try it again. You know, we do it all the time. Every, almost every single one of our songs have like seven different versions of us building and throwing away lyrics. And uh, so whenever y'all need some throwaway lyrics, let me know. We got them. <laughs> do you have a question back there in the center? <laughs> yep. Next. Just kidding. No, no, go. No, go. <laughs> go. <laughs> it wasn't any of us. It was a, there's been three versions of the members of Disciple. There's been like the original lineup and then Disciple, what we call 2.0, and these guys are Disciple 3.0. Uh, so... That was a guy in 2.0 who's, who's his name's Micah Santa, and he used to play in a band called uh, Falling Up, and then he joined us for about five years. Then I drove our bus for about two or three years. <laughs> True story. You <laughs> know, Falling Up, backflip, I never put that together. Yeah. Whoa. I know. <laughs> it's like he was falling, but up. Uh, I know. Wow. In, in Falling Up, one of the reasons – one of the reasons why we hired Micah, this is a true story, because we toured, uh, did a Cutlass tour with Falling Up, and Falling Up, uh, Micah would do, as you saw, he would climb the tops of the, um, the speaker cabinets, so he'd be, you know, like, however high in the air, and he'd do a backflip with his guitar off of it, while the singer would run up to another guy and, like, put his foot, and he would do a backflip, so they'd do a backflip simultaneously. So whenever, on stage, so whenever we were, our guitar player quit to come off the road, and we were trying to hire a guitar player. They were like, so who, do you, who are some of your choices of who you want to come play guitar? And um, I was like, I think we should ask Micah. And they were like, well, can he play guitar? And I was like, who cares? He can do a backflip. <laughs> so. Yeah, he'll play, he'll play guitar later, you know? Nobody in this band is doing... Well, we've no. prepared I've a surprise somersault. I've already... <laughs> choreography. <laughs> our, our health insurance a policy doesn't cover that. 
I've already told you how old I am. There is no, I, I'm going to try to get, you know, a few inches off the ground. That is about as air acrobatic as I'm going to get tonight. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. Anyone else? Questions? We've had no questions from this side of the room, hardly, except this guy. Okay. Yes. Well, first of all, we actually do want we actually do focus on the show aspect of what we're doing and we are, are it, it is an actual top priority to make sure that our show is a show that it is entertainment that if you come to a disciple show and you don't like a single one of our songs but you sit there and watch the entire performance that you're going to walk away saying that was pretty good whether you like the music or not to be entertaining and show now what i have learned is that we take moments where we strip away all the entertainment and then we say what we feel is, is, a, is a message that God has for us to, to say. And we, are, we view our ministry or our show as evangelism. And we're actually trying to win people to Christ with our evangelism. But we actually are very focused on the show aspect of it. But that's us. We're not a church. I can't speak to right. whether a church should be so focused on the show aspect of it and having a great lighting system and this and that. That's a debate for people who run churches. Yeah, it's a little different for us, I think, because we're not, I mean, there is worshipful elements in our show, but we are we are performing a rock and roll concert uh, as opposed to leading worship. Um, I mean, some people would say that we are, but, um, but yeah, I think it's different than a Sunday morning service um, uh, in terms of just the context and people have paid money to come see a rock concert you know and we try to give them something above that as far as the message and the and the and the testimony and whatnot um but it is a little different than when we're at our churches at home you know um leading worship on sunday morning to a community who is you know invested in that church does that make sense i think being real and authentic uh one of the things i spoke about yesterday god is not concerned about what we're doing as much as he's concerned about why we're doing what we're doing and um, so you take the lights away and you take the sound system away and you worship God in that place. That is the most important thing, whether someone can do that in a church with no with uh, that sound that's not good. I personally can't. I personally enjoy going to a church where there is a great band and great music. And I enjoy that because it's very distracting to me when the guitar player can't play. And I'm just sitting there going, man, he stinks. And uh, being I a just musician is always tough when, <laughs> when you're trying yeah. to watch or someone can't sing or whatever. And they probably sound wonderfully beautiful to God and God. It's their, his favorite song that he's ever heard in his entire life. But to me, I'm like, I can't think about God right now at all. So uh, that's just me. And that's that is I'm being real with you and showing the spoiled side of my Christianity right now. I shouldn't be that way. Uh, I should be able to power through that and love God no matter what. But I think it's more important what we're doing when we're not at church with our community, because church, we are the church, that we have small groups with people, people that we're confessing our sins to, people that we're loving, people that we're studying the Bible with. I honestly believe that that is more important than the Sunday morning service altogether. Um, but again, that it's a fantastic, phenomenal question that I think is a debate for other people and not us. It has so many layers to it. Yeah, Joey's sure. a huge megachurch fan. Oh my God, don't get me started. Yeah, he he hates no, megachurch. Sarcasm. So. Yeah, I was a part of a megachurch for eight years, and if you got four hours, I can tell you what I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Well, I think every church, no matter. W <laughs> I'm sure we have some employees of a megachurch here. So. Oh yeah, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun with that. That that was a southern term. <laughs> we got a little bit of time? Yeah, we got time for one yeah, more question. I, 
I was now just going to say real quick, hates me. <laughs> I think that every church, no matter big or small, has, you know, a choice to make on what they're going to do with their resources, right? Like, every church wants to further the kingdom and do good things for their congregation and do good things for the community. And not every church is going to have the same avenue to being effective. So I don't think it's, you know, important to decide for other churches. But um, I think, uh, like Kevin was talking about, doing uh, what's important having focus on that matters the most and i think that can translate for sure to like maybe we don't need 12 fog machines maybe we can (laughs) feed some people or something else instead something like that are you an employee at a church you volunteer ah okay i totally missed all that (laughs) rewind Staying we, humble. It's. It, I mean, it's, ha- it's one of those brutally things. honest friends around you. Yeah, I mean, we definitely, you know, that happens internally for sure. But as far as on stage, I mean, like I said, we try to make, like he said, we try to make, make moments, you know, very spiritual kind of focused moments that aren't about the show in our set. And those are the times that it's evident to all of us, like, okay, this is what, like, you know, we feel it every night. It's like this is the the, the heart of what matters and, and why we're doing it. And, um you know, it's it's just one of those things. It's 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 a, it's a struggle for sure. Sorry, I messed that up. I guess the answer to that question would be literally, you have to check yourself. There are times when I go on stage, where I am naturally wanting you to like me, just a natural instinct. I want you to like it. And I want you to have a good time, and I try to actually lose myself in worship, to where I forget that you're there, and it'll happen every every show. To where I have my little moments where I forget where I am. I forget it happened definitely yesterday. It was amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but it's it's w- why you're doing what you're doing is more important than what you're doing. And you know it's a natural instinct that you have to fight off. You know it is a temptation to want people to like you and and want to please people. And uh, I used to work at a church and be a, a worship pastor at a church. And and this is not a knock on the older people, but when the older people, whenever I would, whenever I throw in a song for them, you know. And and then they would be like, that was awesome. That was a great service, Kevin, and, and a good job. And I'd be like, yeah, played some Win. victory in Jesus, and I got them excited, you know. And you you kind of have to, like, you kind of have to watch out, you know, just to not necessarily be people please all the time, but, you know, just do a good job and do it for the Lord. Something I know that we all have that I really love about this band is that um, we're up there to, you know, hopefully inspire people in the show and the lights and all that is just to, like, bring that presence but what happens to us is we're getting into the music and then we see how awesome the crowd is and that inspires us and it's this mutual energy where we don't feel like even though we're on the stage we don't feel like we're the star of the show because the hill is way bigger than the stage and that just becomes this like uh you know show for us to watch you know with crowds and and that really becomes a the um, fun part, I think, for us is like when we're done with a show, it's not so much about high fiving because we didn't miss a note. It's about that crowd was amazing and like those people are awesome and we had yeah, a good we experience. We always talk about you guys. Yeah, we've never so come much. off stage and said how awesome we did. I, I don't think that's ever happened. No, our normally, we always come off the stage and say how awesome the crowd was or not awesome <laughs> the crowd was. And uh, that's all God, so that gives us hopefully humility. Yeah. La- last question, real quick. Let's over here. Invisible, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The uh, song was written. Um, when I was a kid, nobody was hurting themselves or harming themselves or cutting themselves. I'd never h- heard of that at all as a, as a young person. And then, um, you know, in the mid-2000s, uh, kids started coming to our shows struggling with suicidal thoughts and struggling with hurting themselves and cutting themselves. And it was just this epidemic. It started seeing it every day. And then, you know, I remember specifically this one time just seeing this, gr- this girl. It was almost art at this point she had these perfectly symmetrical slices 
all the way up her shoulder and then just this pattern or whatever and you and and then you speak to her and she's just normal and you don't you don't know that you never assume if you never saw the scars that this would be a person who would hurt themselves and then when you then you talk and and you see all the pain that's in there and i just began on this journey and being honest and saying i don't understand i've never been tempted to do that i've never felt that way i don't know anybody that's ever struggled with this and so i just kind of made an effort to start asking questions and uh there's a young man in south dakota um who was scarred up pretty bad and i and he helped us load out load load the trailer up and i kind of built a rapport with him and and i just said hey man uh I don't have any answers for you about anything, you know, because I don't really know. I just, I, just, I just said, would you mind talking to me about, you know, your, your scars? And he was like, sure. And I was just like, can you tell me, like, why you're, wh- what's going on in your head? And he was like, well, I don't know why other people do it. I'm sure everybody has different reasons. He said, but for me, he said, um, I feel like nobody's listening to me. I feel like nobody hears me. I feel like I'm invisible. And he goes, and it's just basically my way of saying, can you see me now? He goes, because I just feel so lost and so alone. And, man, he said that, and it, it just, like, was like this anvil just dropped on my head, and I could not let it go. And, again, we wrote a song called Invisible, and it, and it wasn't, it didn't meet the standards. And then we wrote another song called Invisible, and it didn't meet the standards because I knew that this young man's story needed to be told, and there needed to be a song for people that maybe – don't cut themselves, but maybe have the same root feeling of whatever he was feeling, that they just felt invisible, that nobody heard them, that nobody saw them or whatever. And I knew that it had to be a great song, so we kept writing the song until we felt like we got it right. And uh, so that's how the song came about. And so many people come up with whatever they're struggling with because that young man was medicating himself by cutting himself, but other people medicate, you know, through sex or through drugs or through uh, some other kind of, like, uh, 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 overarching, you know, whatever the opposite of moderation is. <laughs> Gosh, what, I can't talk. But indulgence, any, any type of indulgence where you just take it too far, it could be anything, you know. And so that song has really, you know, people have come up and just said what it, what it meant to them. So... It's really, it means a lot that you that you'd say that that that's a song that kind of makes you feel good ab- about your situation because it is how God sees us, and when we believe the truth about how God feels about us, that we know, like I said yesterday, that we know that we're unique, that we we have a purpose, that we're not here on accident. You know, it makes it it makes life worth living when we know because because some people struggle and say I don't want to wake up tomorrow, but when we when they know that God has a purpose for their life that there is a reason why they need to wake up tomorrow. Not why they should, but why they need to wake up tomorrow. Uh, these people that have committed suicide, I'll say this and I'll shut up. These celebrities that have committed suicide all through the, l- the last year, if they could have just seen that there are people that need them, not just want them, they are children that need them. But they believed instead that they just like, I don't just want to wake up anymore. I don't want to wake up tomorrow. So they're going to take their life instead. But they actually were needed. And it's a lie that we're not needed, and you're needed. There are people that need you in, in your life, and I'm needed, and, and you're needed. Everyone here is needed. There are people that, that need us. And, uh, and to know that God has a specific, special plan for our life and people in our path that only we can minister to. There's people that literally I'll never meet that will be in your path that only you will be able to minister to them. You are needed, and you're not invisible, and God does see you, and he does hear you, and he also sees the people that you're going to be ministering to. And, uh, and he needs you for that. So. All right. Thank you so much to the disciple. They're great. And uh, we're glad that they are here today. Thanks, guys.